This is Chris Farman, founder of Small Batch Standard, and you are listening to the Beer Mighty Things podcast. Oh. Hey, thanks for tuning into the Beer Mighty Things podcast, your place for education and happenings in the craft food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner. Here, I interview folks around the world who are doing mighty things in these industries. My goal is to entertain, educate, and inspire. If I'm doing those things, give us a five-star rating and a little follow over there on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment if you can. It goes a long way in helping others find the show. And, you know, hey, we appreciate it. This podcast is sponsored by craftbrewinginsurance.com, craftdistillinginsurance.com, and insuringwine.online. And with that, let's get into it. Welcome into the Beer Money Things podcast. It's what you listen to while you brew. It's what's in your ears as you drink beers. I'm extremely excited for this conversation. I bring to you a gentleman, a mensch, a fun guy to be around. Uh, he is the founder of a fabulous outdoor and travel gear company called High Beer Design Co., and uh, he is the creator of the Earth's most versatile Swiss Army knife of insulated bottles called the All Day Adventure Flask. We welcome in Mark Sagonis. Mark, what's going on, man? Kyle, what's happening, dude? You know, it's happening. It's just the day, yeah, man. The days that. are flying by. Yeah. It's November already somehow. Yeah. It's just this, it's the warp zone that is uh, the, the perpetual pandemic. Yeah, apparently time doesn't stop. You know, it just keeps going. You know, <laughs> we all got 24 hours. How do you use them? That's a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast. And, um, you know, you are using your 24 hours uh, in a very cool way. So Thank you. I guess tell me about, you know, how one who's born in New Jersey goes to college for business and finance, dabbles as a financial advisor, joins the Navy, ends up in north of Lake Tahoe in Truckee, California. Yeah, man. Um <laughs> That, that, that's a lot. I don't know. That is a lot. That is a <laughs> it's, lot. A, it's a lot to digest. Yeah. Um, I get, I mean, I can kind of start at the top and then work backwards, but, um, if anybody hasn't been to, to Tahoe yet, it's a fantastic place. Um, you know, if you're into winter sports or summer sports, you kind of just choose your own adventure here. Um, and it's a glorious place to live. Um, it's an expensive place to live, but you know, other than that, I mean, it, there's, there's never a dull moment. Um, yeah, so that kind of like what what drove me and my family here is just to to you know live big. Um, you know, like you said, we you know both my wife and I were born and raised in 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 New Jersey. Um, and I think like it's funny when you leave New Jersey, you find like there's more people in New Jersey than there are uh, th- th- than there are actually in New Jersey. So when you're out and about, you're like, oh, where are you from? You're like, everybody is from like New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It's just, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I spent some time in finance and, um, yeah, I mean, it it, it was, it was fine for the time being, but you know, I don't do well within four walls and and no creativity. And so, you know, you, you put something in a box for long enough, it just wants to get out. And that's essentially like, you know, what happened to me and that what kind of like drove me to, um, you know, get my commission in the U S Navy. I'm a supply corps officer. So we do like logistics and my specialty is like in expeditionary logistics and spent some time in, in Africa. And, um, so when I left finance, um, that's kind of what was like, that was like my bridge plan, right? Like, I'm like, I got to get out of here. And then I, I, I took on a, a mobilization. I went to East Africa and then did that for a while, which was, which was super cool. Okay. That is yeah. super cool. Um, and speaking of cool, you guys have snow right now, don't you? We do. I know. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, man. Um, it's actually almost gone now. Um, really? there's supposed to be some, some more on the way, but yeah, we, um, went skiing on, uh, the day before Halloween. So everybody got dressed up and did some trick or skiing, um, just skiing. giving out candy in the lines. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a little bit of a shit show though. Like, um, on the, on the backside of the mountain, there's a little area called, called Shirley and it just all bottlenecked to like, you know, a, a four foot little like snow trail. And then you have like 10 lifties just shoveling snow to cover <laughs> up all the different, all the rocks and stuff. And you're just kind of bombing down. You're like, all right. I mean, like, I'm just going to trust these, these 10 lifties that, you know, are probably, you know, half baked and shoveling <laughs> snow and <laughs> half, get half me care. The lift. Yeah. <laughs> half care. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was, it was a fun day, man. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So, I mean, we don't have snow here, but it's been, you know, waking up, it's 31 degrees. So it's all of a sudden we went from 60 to 30 very quickly. So 
So. Yeah, yeah. Fire up those uh, those garage heaters. <laughs> yeah, fireplace. Get out those uh, the winter clothes and such. You know. So. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit. You know, you and I first met, it was, uh, we were doing, you know, a Friendsgiving, right? So we usually do, uh, you know, you have Thanksgiving on a <laughs> Thursday. Yeah. yeah. So we do that a Thursday, fun. Thanksgiving, and then that Saturday, we usually get together with like 20 families, right? And we bring, you know, potluck, yeah. everything, just just have a lot of fun, get everybody together. And as we get older, the kids start to multiply and it's like, holy shit. So, you know, 2016, maybe, right? So in walk, two guys that I've never met before, you know, big beards. You guys are dirty and smelly, <laughs> making a pit stop <laughs> on the way, but you guys were hiking the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, um, yeah, it would have been 2014, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was uh, our halfway point. So Pennsylvania is the halfway on, on the on the UT. It's, um, it varies from year to year, the length of year, year that I, 86 or seven or something like that. And halfway is, is, uh, is Pennsylvania. So it's Georgia to Maine, right? It's Georgia to Maine. Yeah. Springer mountain to to Katahdin and, uh, believe it or not, like, yeah, Pennsylvania has some of the most challenging trail, um, on the whole 2,100 miles. And it's not because of elevation change or anything like that. It is just by pure ruggedness of the trail. Like it is not a dirt trail. It is all rocks perfectly Mm. shaped to just puncture your foot continuously over 80 miles. So it runs from like Duncannon to the Delaware water gap. And by the time you leave, you have this poor taste in your mouth for Pennsylvania. If it wasn't for that Friendsgiving that we, that we all had, or the uh, birthday party for Mark that we had, um, or whatever it was, um, I I think that I I would have a different feeling about it, but yeah, it was, that was a, that was a great evening. Um, from what I remember, there was a keg involved. Um, there was like 20 or so families. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah. It's, you know, kegs usually involved. Yeah. Out in like the garage and then everyone kind of brings their own beer and it's just like, holy moly. And then, you know, eventually the kids turn to pumpkins and you guys got to like, you know, the party quickly ends before everyone freaks out. And, uh, but that was cool. So that was, you know, the first time we met you and, um, you know, we are, we we've met because of a mutual friend. So it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we recently met up and we'll talk about that excursion in New York recently. Um, and that'll, that'll bring us back around, but like when you are doing the Appalachian trail, like, you know, you mentioned that obviously the, the footing is not great. So what kind of takeaways do you have? You know, what, what do you, is there a specific gear that you wish you had or something that you prepared differently? Like, what are your thoughts? Uh, that's cool, man. Um, I think it's, I think everybody comes back to the, the same philosophy, which is just hike your own hike. And mm. think like, you know, there's a lot of through hikers out there and just kind of do what, what makes you feel comfortable. Some, some people will hike that trail with, we call it like tower of power. And it's like this 80 liter pack. And then you just see how much more stuff you can pile on it. And the thing's got to weigh like 150 pounds, but you know, that person is just super happy to be outside. They mm-hmm. have everything and the kitchen sink with them. You know, they'll set up like a full kitchen when they get to camp. And those are the kind of people that you love to have around because yeah. they got everything, you know, yeah. um, myself, I like, I'm, I'm a fast and light guy. Um, not like ultralight, and I do like some of the creature comforts when I'm in, I'm in camp, but, um, you know, you spend most of your day on the, on the trail and, you know, my, you know, we were doing anywhere from 20 to, you know, 45 miles a day. Um, and so if you're looking to, to go fast and light and far, um, you know, you kind of have to be cognizant on, on how much stuff that, that you're, that you're packing, you know, you think about it, like you're, you're hiking 12 hours a day, you know, you're, you're sitting at camp for maybe, you know, a few hours before you are exhausted and just pass out in your sleeping bag. Um, so that's why, you know, I placed a a huge emphasis on just trying to be comfortable during, during the day. And quite honestly, like when you're not having that many breaks during the day and you have, you even are carrying a, let's just say, you just resupplied and you have your base weight of 20 and then all of a sudden you have a full, you have all that water and you have all that food. It's still freaking heavy. And then if you've been going like, you know, seven days strong and then you just did a resupply, man, you're hurting, you know, like you, you want to throw everything out of that bag. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the commonalities on the trail is just like everybody's writ, uh, written up, um, read the book, a walk in the woods by Bill Bryson. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's like the first, in the first like 50 pages, it just talks about like how they're just chucking shit out of their pack. Just like, just like honey buns and cosmic brownies (laughs) and like, whatever, like, get out of the pack. Like it's too heavy. 
Um, and like, it's not far fetched at all. Like, I think everybody has like that kind of moment on the trail, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would say like, for me, you know, my favorite piece of gear is, is definitely my, my sleeping bag. I had a, um, a Z packs, um, I think like, I want to say like a 20 degree bag with, um, DWR treated down in it. Um, and I still have it and it seems like it's just still in the same condition that I bought it in. Um, it was just a beautiful handmade piece of gear. Um, and the, the reason why it was so great too, is right. Like, because after you finish those long days, yeah. just, I mean, you just think you're just utterly destroyed. Like it had been raining for three days. You dry yourself off, you peel your clothes off your body and you get into your, your camp clothes and you just jump into the sleeping bag and there's nothing more glorious than that. However, I will say this that one of the things that you can do when it's just like, you're just going through total utter destruction out there because you know, you got to embrace the suck. Right. Yeah. Um, is is that one thing that you can accommodate for weight is beer There's always beer because when you do a resupply, right. That the one thing <laughs> you can put on the outside of your pack, right. Cause you get there. Like you might just do like, you know, 12 miles, just get into camp, but hauling that beer in is just so rewarding when you get there. You're like, it just kind of makes it all worth it. <laughs> that's it man again you know it always comes back to beer makes you feel the way you ought to feel without beer so <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's amazing so totally. do you stop at like a grocery store like along the way is that how you refuel yeah it depends on where you are um you know, like you know you, you get what you can find um you know a lot of times it's like dollar general that's like all that's in the town sure. um sometimes it's a it's a gas station and yeah. you're just you know just buying a pile of junk you know other times like you're taquitos <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. just the you know whatever the separate hot dogs have been there for like six days right um yeah but sometimes you get into like a full bore town you know and you're like spoiled and you're you know in in like a whole foods or whatever you know and you're like this is great but i can't afford any of this because i'm a <laughs> homeless through hiker you know um but yeah i mean yeah i think you know it all it all varies and you know you kind of have your list and you you know you go back and you do your little triage where you just take everything out of the packaging all no boxes and stuff put it in your food bag and um you know throughout your meal planning yeah totally dude i recently you know this kind of makes me sound like a sissy but i recently you know trained and rucked right we did a rock there was 14 of us and we rucked 22 miles with 40 pound backpacks um, you know, from Valley Forge Park and, you know, uh, Valley Forge, Pennsylvania here to the Rocky Steps, right? The art museum. It took six, six hours and 32 minutes. And, you know, that, that was, you know, it was a challenge, you know, you didn't feel good by the time you were done, but like you did that more than that every day for how many days, like how long did that take? It's like, uh, 108, 107, something like that. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Damn. Yes. I feel like, you know, and then I tell my wife like, yeah, we're, we, you know, we're rucking, we're carrying this bag for, you know, 40 pounds for charity. And she's like, I did that twice in the front of me with our kids for 10 months. Like, I don't want to hear your challenge. This is, you're stupid. <laughs> I know, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and I had to sleep with it on me too, right? Yeah. Exactly. She's like, I don't want to hear what you, what you're doing. It doesn't matter. It's not even, you know, she's yeah. like, yeah, tough. All right. So do you, do you end up with uh blisters or are you wearing like the, What's the merino wool socks and all that jazz? Yeah, I mean, you again, you kind of just do it works for you. I mean, I had to switch footwear, um, you know, a couple of times before I found the right shoes. Okay. I ended up in Solomon. Um, yeah, what are they called? So I started in speed crosses and ended up like kind of like in this mid shoes, like kind of like a, a shoe slash boot. Um, but you know, a lot of people think, oh, you need these really hefty boots. Be like, no, you don't. If you, you do, if you want blisters, I mean, most people out there are just going to be like in, in trail runners. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're out in three days of rain, like you're just, you're going to get blisters. It's just, sure. that's the know. friction, right? You're just rubbing. But there's, there's a, there's a magical treatment here. Like we went through everything, like, you know, the Dr. Scholl's to all this stuff. But the thing is, is, is like when you like apply that stuff and then you're like hiking 25 miles, 30 miles a day, all that's going to come off. So you need something that's just like super tough. That's going to keep everything in place. That's gonna, not going to have any more abrasion. So Luco tape, like mm. L-U-K-A, um, Luca, Luca tape. Um, I think that's what it's called. Um, and it's like zinc oxide, like adhesive tape. And that shit will just stay on you no matter what 
awesome. So you just get like a piece of gauze or whatever, put on there, put the Luco tape on there. Um, and it won't come off. Like we've, we've had like bandages that were on there for like five days straight. Um, don't recommend it, but you know, <laughs> uh, <Avoid that>. <laughs> <laughs> don't recommend getting blisters, but if you no, do, no, 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 yeah, none of that either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Super cool. All right. And you, you did this once. It was just you two who did this, who did the hike. No, I started solo and then I just met, you know, three of my best friends just out there. And, you know, we all ended up kind of finishing together. We, you know, got separated at different points in time and eventually we reconvened in New Jersey. And then we, we, uh, and we went, went to Maine together, but super yeah. cool. Yeah. Now, I think you're, you know, from what I've read, like you're, you're into journaling, right? So did you document this trip? Did you write in a journal during this adventure? I tried, but yeah. like when you were that exhausted, the, it didn't really flow too well. Like, I mean, I, I kind of have to write just like in general for, for work, right? Like you kind of have to be at least be able to communicate at, at a sixth grade level. Um, but I felt like when I was, you know, after doing, you know, 12 hours of hiking and then coming back in your tent, the last thing you want to do is pick up your phone or pick up a pen and then just start jotting it down. I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably like log maybe like 30 or 40 entries, okay. but like, yeah. And then, then you got to like edit it. Like that's the last thing you want to do. You just want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, so none of it was any good, you know, like even like reading through it, I'm like, this is not even a, it's not even a word, let alone a sentence, you know? <laughs> With yeah. I mean, it, you don't necessarily have to write a story. Uh, but just like, here's what we did yeah. today, you know, kind of yeah. deal. How much uh, acid did he take? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're, you guys are out there doing that stuff. Like, I no, 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 none of that. But I mean, it seems that when you start reading this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, that's super, it's a super cool accomplishment and you've done a number of different outdoor type deals. So let's fast forward to Labor Day 2021. We were just, you know, reconnected and we were up in uh, a Bay, right? Alexandria Bay, upstate New York, almost Canada. And yeah. we're up there for our friend Mark's wedding. So yeah, that was a super good time, wasn't it? That was incredible. What a what a yeah. beautiful town. What a cool uh, venue. Like everything, everything was just everything was awesome. Uh, it was an easy drive. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah. But I think it was like the night of the rehearsal dinner. For some reason, I decided at like one in the morning. We're all in this house, and I'm like, I'm going to cook <laughs> up some simple syrup on the stove. Yeah. And so I'm like scrounging around the, in the cabinets looking for sugar. Cook up some simple syrup. And I'm going to make margaritas. So, you know, I start to, to gather the ingredients, getting ready to shake this stuff up. I'm looking for glasses to like shake with. All of a sudden you pop out and you got this crazy thing you hand to me. And I'm like, what the hell is this? This is like, <laughs> you know, RoboCop, you know, yeah. that's going to make me a, a margarita. So you're like, dude, adventure flask. I'm like, well, what's that mean? Like, tell me about it. So Tell tell us about this thing, man. Yeah, this is- you know it's funny because I think I think actually what happened was is that I, I didn't actually have it out, so it was bad on me, right? But like the cocktail shaker that everybody was using, it actually broke. Like the actual like filter portion that strains the ice just yeah, like okay. it popped out, so we couldn't like shake any margaritas. And like everybody's like, "Oh, what do we do?" And you're like, obviously, like it's one two in the morning because um, everybody will need margaritas at that time, <laughs> especially yeah. after like a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had, had the, uh, the AF and, um, yeah, we're shaking some cocktails in it at the, the good old Swiss army tool of insulated bottle. So that's it, man. I mean, so I was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just to say this thing was incredible. You handed it to me. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this thing. It looks like it does a lot of things. Right. So, <laughs> you know, is this something we'll, we'll kind of give a high level of it. You know, it's, uh, I guess there, you yeah. tell us, right. The AF, the adventure flask, wh- what does it do? We'll start there. Yeah. So I think like you, you hit the nail on the head, like the easiest way to describe the, the all day adventure flask is that it's this Swiss army tool of insulated bottles, right? So you can make all your favorite beverages from cold brew cocktails, um, does pour over coffee, the lid inverts. So into more of a, a conical design, um, the sleeve is removable. So you got a cup for a friend with two legs or four, um, the filter in the middle there, you can do cold brew teen infusions. Um, one thing actually that's really cool that we experimented with that, 
um, that I think that you would really like, Kyle, is that you can actually take the filter because it's 130 microns. Um, you can fill it up with either pellet hops or fresh hops in there. No way. The yeah, and then just fill it to the top and you do a home or um, kind of like a growler edition dry hopping at home. So then like, you know, if you're in a dry hop, you probably want to do it for what, 48 to um, 64 hours or something like that. Yeah. But, but this but, is kind of like a Randall, right? Where you would run, you know, you have a thing filled up with, you know, candy or hops and you run your beer through it. Now all of a sudden you have a different flavor. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you can make custom beer with this thing. You're, you're an animal. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. How does this, how do you come up with this idea? And like, was there an itch that you scratched? Did you find a, was there a problem that you solved? Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I think like, first thing I said, it was like, you know, I had been stuck in a box for, you know, the first part of my career, okay. like in a, you know, zero creative environment. And, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, there's strong exponential buildup of creativity in me. And then like, you know, you just get inspired by like all the things that you love. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a product of that. And so I think like just, you know, being, being on the AT and then, um, you know, being in, you know, the Horn of Africa and then backpacking through South America and all those different things where, you know, you, you're kind of like living small for, you know, a couple of years out of your life. And that's all, all that, you know, you start really evaluating, um, everything that you have. Um, and one thing that I just loved, I just, I really loved my insulated bottle. I mean, like, if you think about it, like you're just always like hydrating and, you know, mm-hmm. if you want like cold water and it's hot out, it's going to stay cold. And if you want hot coffee, it's going to stay hot, even if it's cold out. Um, and so that really got me thinking around just like, well, this is kind of like a lost opportunity. Like why do, why do people do things the way that they do? And just, you know, evaluating all the different designs in, in the industry, taking a look at what was out there. And, you know, the first thing that we did was like this insulated French press. Cause I was like super into French press coffee yeah. and it was, it was just such a boring design. Like there was nothing special about it. Yeah. Um, and so we really went back to the drawing board and we just said, okay, what would be like really cool? What if we did like one flask and seven interchangeable tops? We did all this 3d printing. There was like 130 different parts and, I, I like went to dinner with some friends and I'm kind of showing them off. They're like, dude, this thing's a nightmare. Are you kidding me? Like you're trying to, you're trying to like advertise or try to sell this to people that are like adventure travelers, um, like an outdoors people, like nobody wants this. And I'm uh-huh. like, you know what? You're right. Like, this is kind of a nightmare. Um, so again, like we went back to the drawing board and this is like all, all the way, like across like a couple of years, you know, okay. like I didn't happen overnight. Um, and so we went back to the drawing board and we're like, well, how do we, take the best components or the best functionality from these seven interchangeable tops and just integrate it into one. And it was like walking on the beach with my father one day. And, you know, he was like looking at one of the interchangeable tops. He was like, you know what? He's like, you know, you can do like pour over coffee if you took your shaker top and you like turn it upside down and like would connect to something. And that was kind of like the snowball effect that led into how we like built all the functionality around the adventure blast. Um, And then, you know, you, every time that you design something, there's something that's called design slip. You just have like the good idea fairy, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Um, and eventually you just need to like, just stop and like move on to the next because we just kept on like integrating, but not everything made it into the adventure flask um, that we wanted to, um, you know, like, you know, you get people that are kind of grizzled. We're like, what, this doesn't even heat water. And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were like, all right, well, I mean, like it keeps it warm. I mean, like, right. you know, <laughs> I don't think there's really anything out there that does that. Yeah, what do you, you can't like plug it in. And like, if you're out in the woods, where are you going to plug it in? Yeah. You know, where you gonna, runs where on batteries, but then your batteries run out. So oh yeah. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's super cool that we're able to, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's just, it's execution, which is the, the bread and butter. Um, and you know, it just, just keep going, you know, it's just, it's just persistence. I think like, you know, the design phase is always the most fun. Um, because yeah. it's just like, it's hope it's like what is, and it's creativity, but then, then you have to, um, you know, work with your manufacturer to right. actually make this, you know, a real world thing where you can actually mass produce something. Um, and then you got to figure out how to fund it. And then you got to figure out how you're going to market it. And then you got to figure out how you're going to get it in the hands of people. And then you got to figure out how you're going to solve all these other problems that are going to happen along the way. Um, and so, you know, that's why, like, I think I see um, Seth Godin's book, you know, behind you. Um, Purple Cow is one of my favorite books. But then, then there's also, man, maybe you can remind me what his name is. But there's also a phrase which says, either hell no. It's either, it's either no it, or it, hell yes. It, well, right? if it's, if it's, 
not a hell yes, then it's a hell no, or it's a no, right? So that's, yeah, exactly. My wife is, she thinks a lot and she doesn't always make a decision. And I'll just say, is it a hell yes? And she'll go, no. I'm like, there's your answer. You're good. Let's move on. You know? Exactly. And, and so that's why we've kind of adopted that when we're, should we go here? Should we do this? Do we need this? Is it a hell yes? No. Then no. Or yeah. is it a hell yes? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Like, let's go. Yeah. Totally. You know, again, we always, we only have 24 hours in a day. So let's, but that, that I think is just the, such the, the easiest way to solve a problem or make a decision. Like, is it a hell yes? Um, if it's not move on. Um, so, so let's talk about that manufacturing piece because you are essentially creating something that no one's kind of ever made before. Right. Or, you know, they've made parts of it, but never, you know, um, interchangeable and that sort of thing. So what kind of bottlenecks do you run into when you're trying to create something, you know, and I guess you need somebody who's an experienced manufacturer, who's also flexible in thinking, right. Kind of like you guys. So how do you do that? Yeah. I think like for us, you know, of course you run into all the normal problems when you're trying to manufacture something. So when you go from ideation to prototyping, to sampling, um, to actually doing a, a run, um, there's problems that you're going to encounter along the way. But for us, um, you know, it was COVID. Um, mm. and, and then you had, um, you know, supply chain issues and material issues. And then you had, actually logistics just completely shut down. Um, and we're, we're still dealing with it now. You know I mean? Like material prices are skyrocketing across the board. Right. Um, so if anybody is trying to manufacture anything right now, or even just get it from point A to point B, um, you know, those, those prices are super high. Yeah. I think like, you know, you, you make compromises though. So you just like, just through the normal design process, it's, it's just a matter of like, you know, what's realistic and what's not. I mean, you can push as hard as you want. Um, and, and for me, you know, uh, it was just working with our manufacturer. Um, now we actually have, um, you know, because we're, we're more properly funded, we actually have a, a QC company that's, that's in the factory and, um, you know, engineers that, you know, work with us and, um, you know, are, are streamlining the process a lot better, but you I mean, it, the best way to learn is just to kind of throw yourself into it because yeah. quite honestly, like, you know, what your professional career is, what, 50 years if you're lucky, you know, so we're yeah. relatively speaking, we're all noobs on this planet, you know, like, oh, you've never done this before. Be like, well, that guy never did it before either. You know, right. like you just got to throw yourself into the mix. Like you, you don't need to wait. Um, and that was like, you know, for me to design a product, um, if I knew now what I knew then, I probably wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it, you know? Um, I wasn't qualified, you know, but you know, I did my best and I learned and I think that we came up with a pretty badass product. Yeah. Um, we're making it better every day. I love it. When you say we, who, who encapsulates we? Well, first of all, um, you know, our team right now is really a full-time team of two. So it's myself okay. and our, our head of marketing, the, the magnificent Julie Bacon, my, my wife, um, who is amazing in terms of real-time support, yeah. um, but then we also have like a team of freelancers, right? Like, so, you know, High Bear is, you know, we're a lifestyle brand. And so a lot of what we do is around, um, you know, artwork and design. So we work with a lot of different artists and designers, you know, our, our chief of design, our graphic designer is Terry Hahn, um, who I'm not sure if you know. Yeah. Um, he, I know that name. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, um, he's from PA. Now he lives in Austin, Texas now. Um, does fantastic work, um, super highly skilled. Um, and then, you know, there's Bryn Merrill who did our Sierra sipping bottle. Yeah. Uh, so she does the art. So, yeah. So for, for the yeah. folks out there, you know, when you, when you start to dive into this product, you know, you have this insulated, uh, bottle and then you, you can pull the sleeve off the bottom and what Mark and his team are doing <laughs> now doing is highlighting an artist, right. And they're, they put their art, you know, on the bottle underneath that sleeve. And, you know, again, just, just something that's so unique. You're, you have in most cases, the, the folks who are making things like this, or, you know, like your Yetis and stuff like that's wasted real estate, essentially, when you are actually taking like, Hey, we have a spot here where we could showcase somebody's artwork. Like that, right. that's such a cool idea. How does that come about? Yeah. You know, it's fun because, um, during the design process, we were like, Oh, we're going to put the boot on the bottom. Right. Um, but we thought that the boots that all the other companies and they make wonderful products out there, all the insulated bottles that, um, you know, they're the top fives, they make wonderful products. But we, we thought it was 
um, very like short-sighted because um, the boots would just have a pressure. It would have a hole in the bottom or they yeah. would just have one function and that's just protect the bottom. Um, and we're like, well, we can make this a cup. And then so our designer's like, well, we don't really like the way that it looks because it's such an afterthought. It looks like you're throwing a piece of silicon. So what we actually did was is we integrated the silicon sleeve into the bottle to keep one clean line on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we noticed that there was an issue. This is that when you removed it um, and you were actually using it, that you had this jagged line. Um, and so we thought it would be really cool that now you have this real estate that we could put 360 degrees of, of artwork around the bottom of the bottles so that would actually give you a compelling reason to remove that sleeve, pour out some coffee or pour out some cocktail for somebody else, and then show off the artwork on your adventure. So cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And on that sleeve, aren't there, um, there's markers in there for ounces, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's, there's measurements. Like, so you guys side. didn't waste any space. Like every single piece of this has <laughs> yeah. thought to it, which is really, yeah. really cool. It's intriguing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. We, we wanted to make sure that it was useful. Um, and, and that if you're going to bring it with you, it's going to be become part of your everyday carry, you know, like you, you're getting dressed in the morning, right? Like you're going to put your wallet in there. Your wallet has meaning to you. You know, you're, maybe you pack a knife, your knife has meaning to you, right? Like all these different things that we carry, like you want to make sure that it tells your story. Right. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we're respectful to that because if you're going to choose an adventure flask that we, we wanted this thing to be beautifully designed, um, and totally functional. I mean, I use mine right now. I'm just drinking mine as, as a, as a water bottle, yeah. but you know, if I go out tonight and I'm like at a friend's place or I'm at a, a wedding at two in the morning, I'm like, Oh wait, you need a cocktail shaker. Hold on. Let's shake up some margaritas. Let's get after this. <laughs> Everyone's hurting in the morning. Now we got coffee. Like we, I know, like, now we got coffee. whatever yeah. you want, <laughs> whatever you want. You know, it's not the use for it, but you can throw your keys in it if you really want to. <laughs> That's right. So that's a Morocco. <laughs> don't drink your keys, everybody. Yeah. This was launched via Kickstarter or some crowdsourcing, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did. That was a little over a year ago. What or, tips do you have for folks that, you know, might want to put a product out there via crowdsourcing? Yeah, I think um, crowdfunding is a really, really difficult thing. Um, to think that, you know, it's a really good way of, you know, front end loading, you know, your product with some, some money and whatever you think that you need to raise, you're going to need to raise a lot more money than that because your logistics are going to cost you anywhere from 20 to 25% of the cost of the product. That's just a benchmark. Obviously it depends on weight and okay. all these things. And yeah. you know, um, we, we did ours worldwide and 25% of our customers were, um, international, um, and that can be extremely pricey. Um, so I would say, you know, I mean, talk to other creators, you know, that's like the most important thing you can do up front. The number one thing is, you know, reach out and, you know, you can reach out to me at mark at highbearoutdoors.com. Um, I'd be happy to, to get on the phone with anybody who's thinking about doing a crowdfunding. Um, and I think the second thing that you can do, um, as, as well versed as an individual might think that they are within marketing and, you know, the dynamics involved in all the different silos, um, crowdfunding advertising is much different animal, um, mainly because that you, you don't have a Facebook pixel, um, that's going to be embedded on your Kickstarter campaign. So it's really hard, um, to properly do paid advertising that way. Um, I mean, you can do PR out the wazoo, you can do all those other things, but, um, I think if we had to do one thing differently, we would, you know, hire one of the top three agencies. They're extremely expensive, but if you're trying to raise, um, quite a few dollars, um, that's something that you should consider doing. The ROI makes sense on that. The ROI is going to make sense, right? Um, there's, there's a reason why even some of the, the biggest, um, crowd fundraisers out there still actually use and will always use say, one of the, the top three out there. And you can just Google like one of the top three and we'll sure. give them a free plug. They have plenty of money. Okay. Um, for <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, and then the third thing is just be prepared emotionally because it's no matter what, like you've put so much into this, right? Like I don't care, um, you know, what it is that you're designing, whether it's, you know, you put together a beautiful photography book um, or, you know, a flux capacitor, like whatever you've created, that's a piece of you. And, um, just know that 
your existence does not depend on the outcome of this and that you will persist on. And even if you are mildly successful or you just make your benchmark, you can still continue. You know, it doesn't mean like success or failure. Um, crowdfunding is not the end. It's just beginning. I think that actually Seth Godin said that, you know, it's, it shouldn't be called kickstart. It should be called kick finish because mm. that's the culmination of all of your efforts up until that point. I like it. Okay. What does high bear mean? <laughs> um, it's actually, so it's a couple of things, right? So I think like uh, m- most people think like it's just when you're out in the woods, um, bear country, whether you're like, you know, you're in Northern California or even Pennsylvania or New Jersey, like yeah. you know, New Jersey is like one of the highest, you know, concentrated areas of black bear, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shenandoah is what, 110 miles and 10 miles wide. And that's a huge concentration of bear. But when you're, when you're out there, um, and if you don't have bells on, even if you have bells on you, you know, you want to be, get a, Hey bear. Hey bear. Um, but for me, <laughs> it was more, yeah, more of like the, you know, coming back to all the things that I did. And when I got off the AT, I, you know, I bought a hat and that hat came with me everywhere. Um, and, uh, I had like a waving bear on it. So to me, it mm. stood for, for adventure. I no longer have that hat. Um, buried but, it. Um, yeah. Buried it. <laughs> <laughs> Flew in the ocean. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, it just makes me think of, you know, what was the inspiration from, from behind high bear and like why, why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Um, which is, which is just to get people outside and appreciate the outdoors and and whatever way that you want to experience the outdoors, get out from behind four walls and, you know, uh, I mean, I got out for like 20 minutes yesterday and I'm standing out in a freaking meadow and it was, magnificent that's the best that's the best i noticed myself now just trying to be present try to be mindful you know i'm driving to my office yesterday and you know again with a 30 degree weather that we woke up to um you know when i'm driving past those meadows and those fields and the rolling hills instead of them being green they're now covered in this you know this white frost and i'm just like catching myself trying to be present and, and appreciate what i'm seeing and just like take a moment like dude, that's so cool. Just to like, that's awesome. You know, just, just to notice those things. I just drove to state college on Monday and back. I don't remember that drive being that pretty. Oh my God. It's orange and yellow leaves maroon. And it's like, I kind of just want to pull over and stop, you know, and, and really appreciate it. But you know, that was the thing. I was like the whole time I'm driving, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm, I'm trying to be present in that moment and and see the beauty around us. So. Heck yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, um, you know, I, you know, living out here and then coming back East and I'm like, has it always been this beautiful here? Right. And it's just an appreciation of place. Like just having that beginner's mind and being able to, to see things for the first time again. And so even if something becomes, you know, white noise, it's exactly what you're saying. It's just to stop, breathe and just take it all in. Is that so, you know, does your mind constantly race? Yeah, quite often. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's similar to, you know, I feel like we're very similar in that. So I think that yeah, this, yeah. this flask, right. This adventure flask has so many different objectives and things that it solves. I feel like that's almost like how my brain works, how your brain works. It's like, what else can this do? What else can I do? How can this be better? How can I, you know, just always looking for something else, you know, not something else, but just options, right. There's always options. Like what, what are the options? You know, what, so I feel like that flask kind of is your brain a little bit. It, always. I think anything that you create is just going to be a product of those, all the things, right? Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you calm your mind besides just going out in the, in the meadow? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it's, it's two things, right? Um, well, there's a stack, right? Um, if I can hit the stack, um, I would say, or at least 50% of the stack on a daily basis, um, I'm a better person because of it. But if it suffers over the long term, um, I become just like, you know, a shadow of myself and like, you know, into, you know, like whatever, like yep. a beast. I start growing hair and fingernails and all the things. So I, I think, so the stack <laughs> is composed of like wake up in the morning um, and, uh so right now it's getting dark. So I'm like just doing indoor workouts, yeah. right? Yep. So I have to, I have to wake up, I have to wake up super early and I'm not going to w- wake up and go outside when it's 20 degrees out pitch black and go for a trail run. And, you know, 
um, ride a bear on my way home. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's working out first thing, getting the blood moving. And then the second thing would be, um, meditation. And then the third thing would be journaling. Um, and the component of journaling that's really important, um, is just practicing gratefulness. Um, you know, and it just, that's what's going to just open your eyes, right? It's just going to, that's just, you know, showing up and keeping the keel even. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that journaling, that gratitude helps you to stop comparing things, right? You know, a lot of times, you know, comparison is the thief of joy, right? When you start thinking about what others have and what you don't, uh, that is a slippery slope. So when you can sit down and write, you know, I write, I use the five minute journal every morning and it's, you know, three things I'm grateful for. Right. Um, I just started using that by the way. So I let this, I'm on like my seventh one. <laughs> I went away. I used the best self company journal. Yeah. Um, and then I just finished, I tried the athlete's edge cool. and both times I come back to the five minute journal because I find myself happiest when using that. Cool. Um, so I hope you like it. It's, that's my jam. I've been gifting them for, you know, holidays and stuff. I'll buy like 10 at a time and give them out. Like that's, that, that's how, that's how I start my days. Um, that's actually, so same thing. I, I work, I wake up, I do the foam roller. I'll do some sort of stretch plus a workout. I will do, I'll start the coffee. So it's ready when I'm done. And, uh, you know, I try to read 10 pages in the morning, 10 at night. Good for you. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, sit down before I kick all my, kick open my email and stuff. I, I have to do the journal. And that's sometimes the weekends, the weekends are a different routine than the weekday, you know, because I don't have actual work. You know, my office is not open on a Saturday. So I'm off track. Sometimes I sleep a little later and then, but that gets me off, you know, I'm off my stack, you know, to your point. And I don't like that. Right. So like I could be cranky on a Saturday and it's like, dude, you don't even have work today. Like it's a beautiful, you get to spend the whole day with your, with yeah. your, with the family, but like, I'm off, I'm off my stack and I don't like that. I'm a very, I'm very like robotic, you know? Yeah. So I just have a way of doing things and that's kind of, you know, I feel like we're similar in that realm. Do you use an app or anything to meditate? How do you meditate? Um, yeah, I, I always use an app. I mean, unfortunately, um, that's just, I like it guided. You definitely don't need to use an app. So I use two, two apps. Um, uh, waking up app with Sam Harris. Um, we like him. It's just, um, a really, really good way to start learning how to meditate. And then the second one that I really like is insight timer. Um, I like their actual just timer inside the app. And then you can just find some good guided meditations. Um, you know, that's, it's kind of like, you know, beer, not everybody likes the same kind of beer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I use, I've been using, it's the only app I really ever used was, um, headspace. And I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, my wife, you know, being a teacher, teachers actually get calm for free. The app. Oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, it's a good one. Yeah. I've used most, headspace too. Most don't know that you get calm for free, but I do like headspace. Um, but I'll have to check. You said insight timer. Yeah. Insight timer. Um, I, I do the 60 bucks per, per year, but the free right. version is just as good just cause yeah. I like to do the, the courses or whatever. It's really hard to kind of filter through. There's so much just yeah. shit inside there. So it's really <laughs> hard to find like who resonates with, with you. Um, so you kind of have to like go through a few of them to actually find, um, which teacher is going to be compatible, like with yeah. your mindset. Um, yeah, that's what I like about Sam Harris. Um, it's just that there's there's not a lot of the woo woo foo foo in there, you know. Yeah, so. just straightforward, get it done. Straightforward, yeah. Cool. Um, you've got a number of other achievements: um, New York Marathon, triathlons, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, past life. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I in um, yeah, I was um, into that was kind of like my gateway drug is the New York City Marathon, and then. Okay. After that, I got into to, to more ultra distance stuff. Um, yeah, talk to me uh, about the uh, the Castle Peak 100K. Oh man, that is just a glorious race. Um, I think it's, it is actually here in, in Truckee, California. Okay, um, and that that'll run. Um, it's kind of like a greatest hits album of of um, ultras or of actually of Truckee. Um, and it runs, uh, you know, a hundred kilometers or whatever, 64 miles, um, you know, across, across the Sierras here. Um, and it's like 
I want to say 17,000 feet of vertical um, mm-hmm. across your day, but it's the most um, understated race um, probably in the country. Um, you know, a lot of people like they'll strive, like kind of, it's called uh, the Western States 100. So that's the 100 miler. It's one of the oldest 100 milers in the country. And okay. everybody strives to get into that. But if you talk to a lot of locals here that do it, be like, the best part of that race is, is basically just going from Squaw Valley through the Sierras. And then once you get out, it's really not that good anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Castle Peak is everything that's great about Western States without actually getting a Western States belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's pretty wild. What is a brick workout? Hmm. Um, so when you're, uh, so I was a triathlete for a little while. Um, I was training for Lake Placid, um, Ironman. And then a few months later I, I competed in Kona. And okay. when you're triathlon training, it's probably some of the most intense stuff because you have to be brilliant at all of them. Um, or at least two out of the three and then mediocre at one. So, so it's usually me, the swimming, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't swim in college or high school or whatever. Yeah. You know, like you get some of these people, they're like fish practically like out of the water. Right. Yeah. Um, and you're just kind of wondering of like, how is, how, how, how are the hydrodynamics possible for a human to move through the water at that particular speed when you think you're doing everything right, moving through the water, but like, you just can't seem to like go move, move yourself to the next level. Yeah. And so rather than spend the time to shave like what, you know, 10, 10 minutes off of a 2.4 mile swim, I can get faster on the bike or I can get faster on the run um, and catch up to those people. And they even see in the pros, right? Like the pro pro triathletes, like, you know, they'll be like just crushing the swim. Then all of a sudden, like somebody would just be like, yeah, that's cool. You're fast in the swim. See you later. And they just like, we'll just smoke them. Um, But yeah, that brick workout um, is any workout, um, or it's actually it's when you move from bike to run. Um, so if you get on the bike and you're, you ride for, for 20 miles, you get all the acid build up in your legs and your quads and your, your calves. Um, and when you do a changeover, so you take off your shoes, your cycling shoes, um, mm-hmm. maybe you take off your shirt, put a new shirt on, a running shirt. When you turn over your legs the first like five minutes, it's like strapping cinder blocks to the mm-hmm. bottom of your feet. It's, okay. it's so hard to turn them over. And so a brick workout is really going to train you to move from the bike to the run um, and be able to kind of handle um, and, and turn over your legs. Transition. Okay. So what is, what is something that you can do to make that transition easier? What is it? <laughs> just train how you're going to compete, you know, just, just. Okay keep doing that. Um, you know, however, whatever your training regimen is, um, you know, there's just so many different ways you can cut it. I think for me, I was doing, um, three or four bricks a week. It just depends on like where you are within your training phase. Uh, but yeah, I mean like, of course, like a Saturday or Sunday ride, those are going to be the big guys. Right. Um, and especially like, no matter like what your distance is, um, just going to have, you know, theoretically you're going to have more time, you know, I, I think like when you have a family, they less you know, rushed. Yeah. More time. Rushed, exactly. But yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to put up longer miles on the bike and then you're going to, you're going to flip flop as fast as you can. Um, and, and, you know, just going to just focus through that pain, just, just kind of, um, be present of like what's happening in your, in your legs, um, and, and turn them over. Okay. This might sound funny to the folks when I ask you this question, but uh, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> All right, go. Talk to me about running naked. <laughs> it's not what oh, you think, yeah. everybody. <laughs> oh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, that's what everybody's saying right now. Yeah, wait, what? Um, yeah, despite June 21st is hike naked day, um, which strangely enough, I did not participate in. But um, yeah, I, I think that plays into the mindfulness thing, right? Yeah. Uh, running naked to me is is not um, taking off all your clothes and running through the woods. Although... <laughs> great idea. Um, if, if you're, you know, you're just really out there in the woods, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, no cell phone, no headphones, just no nothing, just you and everything else out there. Um, and I think just, it's so, there's a lot of people that do this, but a lot of us like myself, mm-hmm. uh, definitely lean on, you know, firing up Strava, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, comparing ourselves to, maybe a previous run that we did or somebody else, a friend or whatever, um, or, you know, putting on 
um, like a book on tape. Mm-hmm. And then just your mind will cycle through all these different things, right? You're worried about stack rank. You're worried about your time. You're worried about, you know, like, am I paying attention to this book? But instead, eliminating all that noise and just going out there and just not having anybody watch you, not yeah. listening to anybody, not having to do anything and just be there and then just run and, you know, feel feel the pain. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, what, any podcasts out there that you are listening to right now that you really like? Uh, I mean, I, you, you know, no, nothing new, um, you know, out there, I think like we, we probably have a lot of similarities in, in taste. Um, I would guess, and then correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my go-tos are, um, are definitely, um, Tim Ferriss, yeah. um, love, love him quite a bit. Um, been listening to him. That was like, actually the first time I listened to him was on when I was on the AT, um, that okay. we, you know, like the first few episodes, um, you know, I, I listened to like a modern finance, Kevin Rose, who's also a friend of, mm-hmm. um, of, of Tim's. So I listened to his podcasts, um, you know, non like, uh, modern finance or non crypto related and non Tim related. Um, you know, there, there's some industry podcasts, um, that, that I like, where's my phone? I gotta look, but those are like, kind of like the two right now okay. that, that I've to i've been trying to also get on a little bit more on on audible um but also audiobooks trying to reduce some of the noise in life too you know yeah sometimes it's you know that stack gets too big right and then it's like all right well this is totally doing the opposite of what i wanted it to do you know exactly exactly you know there's in terms of startups um i really like the pitch the pitch is really for any new entrepreneur or entrepreneur period um the pitch is great it's a little bit more of a realistic way of of how how a pitch would work um like in, in a in an environment versus like um you know, that show on television that everybody watches, um, which is not that it's not realistic, but, you know, there's a lot of showmanship there. They're trying to create more entertainment for television. Um, and then another one is how I built this. Um, I was just going to write the Guy Raz. Yeah. Yeah. Guy Raz. Um, it's just such a fantastic, um, they do a wonderful job just profiling and, and documenting that you could be like, I don't want to listen to this on this makeup empire, but it's not about the makeup, you know, it's, it's about, the 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 hurdles their trajectory what they had to overcome in order to build that particular business and what i found is is that there's a lot of value in every single business so it's irrelevant on businesses obviously like it was super cool to listen to you know um jake carpenter jake burton carpenter on on how we build burton like you know i'm a i'm a snowboarder um so obviously i have a lot of interest in that um But, you know, there's, there's some great ones out there. The one that, you know, I'll always remember was Sarah Blakely and how she started Spanx, you know? Oh my God. She's amazing. Yeah. Beast mode. Yeah. I love her. And her husband's a maniac. I just read the, uh, (laughs) living with a seal when he lived with David Goggins for a while. Um, (laughs) just a freaking maniac. Like it's, but that's, you know, the products are different, but the journey is similar, right? The ups and downs are similar. Yeah. Um, and it's good to hear everyone's perspective and how they accomplish their goals. Yeah. Um, talk totally. to me a little bit about, you know, 1% for the planet. High Bear is a member of that. Yeah. That's uh, obviously something that we're super passionate about. Um, you know, anybody that's participated in the, in the outdoors and, you know, we want to keep the outdoors wild and want to preserve a lot of that, no matter what, like all across, like any sort of conservation efforts yeah. um, we have an appreciation for. And, you know, anybody that's traveled to, you know, a third world country and, you know, seen beaches the, the way that they are, you know, that's the, that's the impact that, that we have. And nobody likes to go to a beach and see trash all over the place. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, like a lot of this stuff is, is hidden, right? Um, we don't really get to see it. And we're in, yeah. in America here, we're, we're kind of like in theater, right? We do a really good job of, of kind of like cleaning things up where we need to clean them up, but really good about hiding them. Um, yeah, so 1% for the planet, we, we donate 1%, um, of our sales towards, um, climate change efforts, um, sustainability, um, and preservation. Um, that's a big part of who we are and what we do. Obviously, like anytime that you make a thing, right, you're producing it. So you have to rip, like, you have to take 
elements out of the ground and raw material, you have to process them. Um, and that has an impact on the planet. And so for us, it was a really like a natural thing for us to do. Um, so when we were at um, Outdoor Retailer, which is the big industry um, event that happens once a year um, in 2019. Um, we met with the guys over at Peak Design who were the founders of an organization called Climate Neutral. And Climate Neutral, what they do is, is they help companies measure and offset their carbon footprint. Um, and so for us, that was like a natural thing to do. And that actually goes towards our component of being 1% for the planet. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a spectacular effort. Um, for us, it's just baseline, meaning like that's what we need to do. Like if we're taking things out of the earth, we need to make sure that we're helping to preserve it by offsetting that carbon footprint. Yeah. Um, and we realize that there, there's hypocrisy in everything. Like, you right. know, you, it's, it's so easy to, to go down the rabbit hole of social media and be like, well, you're producing a product and you can't like, yeah, man. I mean, like I'm not naked. I live in a house, you know? <laughs> I run naked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like, you know, as, as we grow, um, you know, we're, we'll increase our efforts as well. Like I'm really passionate about, um, also outdoor recreation, um, you know, building trail systems, obviously. Um, nice. I think like the impact that that has on, on the human psyche is, is just amazing. Um, you know, if you can get out on a trail, then you're appreciating where you're at and that you're just gonna, you're gonna spread the love, you know, like it's the, it's the opposite of the circle of yelling, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, every time, you know, I don't know why I never really knew about trails and that sort of thing. Like until I started training for my, my 10 mile Spartan super. And I was like, why have I not been running on trails my whole life? And then I'm like out there running trails, finding new trails. I use the all trails app and I'm like, wait, people actually take time out of their day to build this for other people. Like that is fucking awesome. I love it so much. It's so cool. So I appreciate those who spend that time doing that. And um, there's no reason why we all can't kind of volunteer, but that's, you know, you're building that to improve your, your mindfulness and well-being. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And there's, I think we spoke briefly about, there's something called the three day effect where, you know, there's, I think it's on audible. It was like a five episode thing where they took a bunch of folks who, you know, had PTSD and things like that. And they take them out into nature for 72 hours and it completely changes how your brain functions. It completely shakes up um, you know, the fibers of your brain and the neuroplasticity. And it's really neat to see how that can have such a dramatic effect, just seeing green being in nature. So yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, no, totally. I mean, just even like leaving the phone behind, you know, yeah. of just, uh, just the connectivity. Um, but yeah, I mean, nature and just removing yourself from, you know, whatever it is that is causing your, your mind to, to race, you know? Now, even though, you know, going out in nature and not having, you know, music and that sort of thing, I do like being out in nature because you guys do have a Spotify playlist or a Spotify profile with number of playlists that are for yeah. road tripping or for hiking in the day or hiking in the night. So that's, it's like, while you know, it is cool to shut that stuff off. It's also cool to go do totally. these things and listen to your Spotify channel. That's right. Yeah. Every one of our, our bottles has its own Spotify playlist. So yeah. How day, night hike, Sarah Sippin. So yeah. when you get it, you can, there's a QR code on there, scan it and it'll bring you to the, uh, the bottles. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Um, what is next for high beer? What about new production runs, new products, anything like that coming down the pike here? Yeah. You know, I mean, we're always thinking, um, we have kind of a, a roadmap, but the first thing to do is, is really to, to, to get the adventure flask out there into the world um, and yeah, and we're, we're just excited about that. Um, we actually just found out, um, earlier this week that we won, um, the best in tailgating 2021 in the, um, in the outside magazine buyer's guide, which is a really big deal for us. Um, so we'll be an outside magazine next month, um, alongside some of the, the biggest brands in the world. So we're really honored, um, that outside magazines, tested us for six months and then even selected us. So, wow. Um, we're still perfect. Yeah. Just in time for the holidays and very cool, man. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. Thanks. Appreciate that. Awesome. All right, my friend. Well, uh, anything else you want to tell the people? No, just, uh, just get outside, <laughs> get outside and, uh, hashtag, outside. you know, tag you guys climb high AF climb high. That's right. Yeah. All day. Head to highbearoutdoors.com. 
That's it, man. And when we say high beer, everybody, we're talking H I B E A R. Um, so you can follow on uh, Instagram and YouTube channel and all your commercials and all your things on YouTube are great too. I like those really well done. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kyle. Oh, brother. All right, my man. Well, Hey, I appreciate your time. Continue doing what you're doing and, uh, beer mighty things, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. right that'll do it for today's episode appreciate you tuning in i hope you learned something i hope you really enjoyed it and if so tell a friend leave that five-star rating i mentioned earlier and comment on apple podcasts subscribe on any platform spread it around the world let's make it happen i appreciate y'all cheers and beer mighty things